May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Everything happened around the Sabbath. For the friends of Jesus, this scenario could not have been worse. The timing could not have been worse. You see, he was arrested on Thursday and tried in the middle of the night by his countrymen for blasphemy. And before the sun rose on Friday, he was handed over to the Romans uh, to be tried before the governor, Pilate, this time on a more serious charge, at least in terms of the, uh, the sentence that could go with it. He was, uh, he was tried for high treason. Before lunchtime on Friday, he had been convicted twice. The second sentence carried a, a public beating and then a public execution. The Sabbath made the timing of all of this particularly problematic. You see, it wasn't just any Sabbath. It was the beginning of Passover. And so it was that, um, that Jesus' death, his crucifixion, came not just as a, as a tragedy, but it came with sort of salt poured in that wound. The timing could not have been worse. The only mercy, if you could even call it that, was the bitterest pill of all and that he died before the Sabbath actually began. He died before sundown on Friday so that his friends could remove his body. You see, they were all Jewish, and under Jewish law would not have been permitted to remove his body from the cross while the Sabbath was in effect. And so that he died before sundown on Friday was itself just a little bit of good fortune. This way they could take his body down and place it hurriedly in a tomb. It was the tiniest bit of luck. You see, if they had not removed his body on Friday, the likelihood would have been that birds would have come and picked at his body, and even worse, dogs that were wild could have eaten his body off of the cross. This was a horrible thing to think about as an ancient Near Eastern person. The most important thing that most ancient Near Eastern people could think of was that they would have a proper burial. So while the timing was really bad, at least, at the very least, even if a proper burial wasn't in order, Jesus' body would have been placed in a tomb. And that's where Mark picks up the story in the gospel this morning. He actually picks it up on Saturday night. He says that three women go out to buy spices. Um, The word that he uses, aromata, it's where we get the word aromatics or aroma. They go out to buy spices, probably aloe, myrrh, and balsam wood. These are are spices that they would use um, in the ancient world to lay over top of a corpse to to prevent the the obvious uh, uh, decomposition problems. And so they they go and they, they buy these on Saturday night, and then they get up very early in the morning, before the sun rises, Mark says, on Sunday morning, and head to the tomb. He doesn't tell us all of the things that they talked about as they walked to the cemetery from their homes. But you can imagine a very quiet and somber walk. You know, they're not going there the way we came to church this morning. They're going there in a very, a very downcast spirit, a very um, solemn moment. They do have one bit of conversation that Mark records for us. They ask themselves, how are we going to move the stone? How are we going to roll the stone away? In fact, they ask, who will roll the stone away for us? As if to say that it's impossible. Here's what Mark actually says. On the, very early on the first day of the week, that is Sunday, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. They had been saying to one another, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? 
Two things strike me about this um, conversation that's going on. The first thing is, is the tomb itself. There are 61 extant tombs that have been uncovered by archaeologists from this time period. That means that we have 61 examples of what first century tombs look like, exactly like the one described in the New Testament, in the Gospels. This, the, 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 um, the tombs themselves had a, had a huge stone in front of the door that was round. It was hewn out of a single piece of rock. They were four feet in diameter and about a foot thick to 14 inches. Almost all of them, in fact, all of them weighed at least one ton, at least 2,000 pounds, some of them upwards to 4,000 pounds. And the, and the stone itself was set in a channel so that it would roll downward and close the tomb. Opening a sealed tomb was not impossible, but it was very difficult. The stone was very heavy. It was set to, uh, for gravity to keep it down in front of the door. The second thing that occurred to me is, why did they just think of this on the way to the cemetery? I mean, this is something they would have known, you know, from before. I mean, why just now does it come up? But I suppose one problem at a time, right? We, we have things to get. We go get those, and, and we'll get to the cemetery, and, and we'll figure this thing out as we go along. But that points to another issue. You see, Jesus' closest friends weren't just three women. There were men who went everywhere with him. They followed him from place. Where are these men? Why are they not present? And you know where they are, don't you? They're not the 7-Eleven getting a Slurpee, I'll tell you that, right? They're hiding. They want, they, they're afraid of being identified with Jesus. Mark kind of points out a little irony, doesn't he? The women aren't strong enough to roll the stone away, but they're strong enough to be identified with the crucified one. They're not terrified to go and be identified with him. But Jesus' male friends, who are strong enough to roll the stone away, are not strong enough to be identified with him. Well, you know how the story gets, right? They get to the tomb, and as they're walking up, a horrifying sight. They're worried about how it is that they're going to roll the stone away, and they had not considered one other possibility that was very common in the ancient Near Eastern world. Grave robbers. As they come to the cemetery, they're walking up. What do they see? They see the stone has already been rolled away. The door is open. I can imagine. Can you imagine the scene? They're walking, you know, down a pathway into an area where there are many tombs. The one that they know where Jesus is. And all of a sudden, there it is. The stone is rolled away and it's open. And they're horrified because immediately they know what this means. And they drop the baskets the baskets of spices and woods, and they run. They run to the tomb. And Mark says they go into into the tomb. Asalthusai, ace. Ace, ace. Two times. Ace means into. It's what grammarians call the, um, the emphatic structure. It's what my mother used to call redundant. You know, say it once, Joe. You don't need to say it twice. Here, Mark says it twice. They went into into the tomb, expecting to find a body. And what do they see? A young man clothed in white, 
a young man clothed in white. And, and here's what, um, here's what he says to them. This is, this is the, the Joe Boisel translation. I think it's pretty accurate. Settle down, ladies. I know who you're looking for. You came expecting to find a dead Jesus. Well, he has been raised by God. Look right here. This is where you left the body, isn't it? Mark knows this story secondhand. Mark isn't there. Mark is a man. Right? He's not there at the tomb. He knows this story only because the women have told them this story. And here's, I can imagine the conversation. The women run back to the house where all the men are. You're not going to believe this. He's gone. What do you mean he's gone? We went there. The tomb was open and there's no body in there. Grave robbers. No, no. There was a young man in there. Oh, my goodness. What did he say? How, what, what, what did this young man say? Well, he said that Jesus had been risen. No, they say. No, you guys are crazy. He's, he's probably the last robber. He was the last one behind. Still looking for stuff. You just happened along to find him. No, I don't think so. Because, listen, he told us to tell you that he'll meet you in Galilee. And Peter, he called you by name. He said, tell Peter also. He called you by name. Now, if you know the story, if you've read Mark's gospel closely, you would swallow very hard right here. Let me read to you a passage from chapter 14. This is at the Last Supper. When they had sung a hymn, Jesus and his disciples, they went out to the Mount of Olives, and Jesus said to them, You will all fall away, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you into Galilee. Just like he promised. Exactly like he promised. How would this man in the tomb have known that Jesus had said this? Peter said, Even though all fall away, I will not. And Jesus said to him, truly, this very night before the rooster Christ crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he said emphatically, if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said the same. And nobody shows up to the tomb on Sunday morning. None of them. The women go alone. I think Mark is trying to say, I think he's saying this, that the resurrection means that God's mercy never ends. Even when we deny him, he does not deny us. Even when we say no thank you and run away, he pursues us. He goes after us. He looks for us. And so the question of the morning, who here has never failed? Oh, wow. I see those no hands going up all over the congregation. Oh, you've all failed, have you? We all have. We know it. We know that we have failed. We have sinned. We have fallen short all the time. Who doesn't need forgiveness? Who hasn't made a promise and then broken it? Who hasn't swore, I will never do that again, and then did it? Who said that, you know, I'll be faithful to the end. And then they weren't. That's where we all find ourselves. That's what the cross and the resurrection are all about. When humanity pours out its worst, God forgives. Go tell Peter. 
I'll meet him in Galilee. Can you imagine when Peter heard this, what he, even if there was such a miracle, as maybe he didn't die, you know, maybe he's been raised by God, but I could never face him again. You remember the story of Peter, don't you? He's in the night Jesus is, uh, is on trial. He's out warming his hands by the fire. And some little girl says, hey, I recognize that hick accent you have. You're one of them. No, no, that's not me. You're, you have me confused with somebody else. And some guy comes along and, no, that hick accent is pretty evident. You are definitely a Galilean. I know you are with him. You're wrong. It wasn't me. And somebody else is like, no, seriously, I saw you with him. And Peter says, blankety, blank, 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 it wasn't me. And then he hears the rooster crow. Can you imagine the shame? Oh, my goodness. What if he is alive? I could never face him. I could never go there and see him again. The German uh, reformer Martin Luther, 16th century um, churchman, he writes in his journal, going through a very difficult time in his life as he's trying to uh, to stand up against abuses in the church, he, he, he writes in his journal this. He says, um, he says that he has been plagued in his mind by the devil. He hears in his mind the devil saying to him over and over again, Martin, you are a terrible sinner and you are going to die and go to hell. He kept hearing this over and over in his mind. Martin, you are a terrible sinner. You're going to die and go to hell. Martin, you are a terrible sinner. You're going to die and go to hell. Over and over again, he heard it in his head. And he says, I said out loud to him one day, you're right. I am a terrible sinner. But it does not follow that I am going to die and go to hell. For the Bible says that Christ Jesus came to save sinners. That's what the Bible says. If there is no resurrection, there is no hope. Do you hear me? If there is no resurrection, there is no hope. But because there is a resurrection, there is nothing but hope. You are a terrible sinner. I am a terrible sinner. But it does not follow that we are dying going to hell we shall be raised again. Because, alleluia, Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Alleluia.